Remaining the same is easy when the option remains on the table. Just think about that. Remaining the same is easy when it remains as an option on the table. That if we're living life and we're, we are allowing the idea that I'm going to be the same this year, the same as I was last year, or I'm going to struggle with the exact same things that I struggled with in the past, as long as I allow that mentality to remain on the table, then it's a no wonder that we end up being the same. I think we all cling to ideas and we cling to things, we cling to procedures, we cling to events in our lives that kind of serve as an escape hatch for us on why things aren't different. We, we kind of have a quick and easy way of explaining why I'm gonna remain the same the way that I am and the way that I've been in the past. It's our safety net, it's our just in case. And we keep certain things around. We postpone wholehearted action until we no longer feel any fear. Or we wait as if fate is going to deliver us something different. Or in a Christian crowd, we may wait until God delivers us something different, just swapping the words fate and God. It doesn't make sense to burn the ships, does it? It's a phrase that I think many of us hide behind. We reject the idea of selling out entirely to an idea or to a dream because it doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's like the universe served up an excuse for humanity at any turn when it becomes uncomfortable to change or to experience something great in our lives, we have the ability to look at what the cost is and say to ourselves, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Who would do something like that? But the one who wants something new for their lives, all of a sudden, burning ships begins to make sense. Burning ships is an idea that comes to us that originated in 1519. Most of you are familiar with the story of Cortez and as he sailed into Veracruz, Mexico with his crew. And as legend holds, Cortez had his men burn the ship so that there was no way out, that they couldn't return to where they came from, that they would take all the other options off the table, that any excuse to remain the same and to go back to the life that they had experienced was completely removed and that in order for them to move forward, they had to do something that didn't make sense. And though some of the history is debated, it, would, it really would have made sense for Cortez to have kept his ships. But he forced himself and his crew to accept and adopt an idea that it was either to succeed or to die. All options other than that were gone. They were taken off the table. And I believe that the future that God desires for each and every one of us, and he has one, that there are times when we need to burn the ships, that the things that we look to, the things that allow to remain on the table, the things that we think make sense, but only end up being the things that hinder any change in our lives, that there are times when God says, it's time for you to burn your ships. Burning the ships, is a work of a manifesto. I think a lot of us have beliefs and values. I, I'm, I'm willing to bet 
you all have something that you believe in. We, we all have a certain level of values that we govern our lives on. I think a lot of us have dreams about what our lives could be. I've had a lot of dreams about what I should be when I grow up or how my life should be as a quality. I think a lot of us have hope for fulfillment. I think some of us have mission statements, vision statements. We, we have, you know, things that we, core values of our lives. I think most of us have things like this. But a manifesto is something different. And a manifesto is something that I think a lot of us are lacking in our lives. The word manifesto comes from the Latin word manifest, which means to make visible or to reveal. A manifesto reveals your intent. It brings it out into the open. It declares to the world around you what you are about. It's not just a filing cabinet idea of beliefs that you believe in and that you hold to or values in another drawer that you subscribe to, but rather a manifesto is when all those things together are taken and they are presented and they are revealed to the world with intent. A manifesto functions as a statement of core values, principles, and it includes a bold call to action. And it's all rolled into one. A manifesto outlines what you're setting out to achieve. And I don't think all of us know what it is that we're wanting to achieve or could articulate what we're trying to achieve. A manifesto creates the future. What do you want the future to look like? Again, I say we, we talk as Christians, but yet we behave as fatalists. We use this idea of, well, if God wills it, it will happen, as if there's no involvement for us in the creating of our futures, as if God said, leave the future to me, and you just stand by the side and see what I do. It's, it sounds kind of Christian, doesn't it? But there's a part of this that God has called us to be a part of, to be involved in. And, and manifestos create the future. What is the future you desire? What does it look like? Or do you just settle for something that is being kind of pushed down into your life from your husband or from your wife or from your government or from your job or the economics of the world around you? What is your future? What is it that you desire it to look like? If you really did have the power to craft it, what would you be crafting? A manifesto defines what that is. And one of the other things about a manifesto is that it is shared publicly. A person with a manifesto, people know what that person's about. After listening to somebody with a vision statement or a belief system or a value system, um, you may have heard some ideas about it, but when you encounter somebody with a manifesto, you understand, um, you understand what that person is about better. Even if you don't agree with what they're about, when you encounter them, you encounter their belief, their ideas, the future that they're trying to create. When you encounter somebody with a manifesto, you know what matters to them. You know what's important to them. When you encounter somebody with a manifesto, you can see what type of world they're trying to create. And that's very important because as fathers, as mothers, as, as husbands and wives and community leaders, 
Um, we all have an idea of the world that we want to create and, and to live in, but yet without a manifesto, nobody can say, ah, I see what you're trying to create. And then the most important thing is, I want to join you in creating it. And there isn't a father in this room today, there isn't a mother in this room that doesn't want their child to, to buy in to their values and their beliefs and what they hold precious and the kind of world that they want. But without a manifesto, has it ever been declared? Has it ever been something? And we actually live in a society that manifestos are looked down on because they seem to, to, to force themselves onto the listening ear of the public. And now in our politically correct society, we don't want to hear your manifesto. It's all about your personal self and keep your personal self. But here's the thing, as we begin to look through history, those who have made significant change in history, in every field of science and entertainment and in government, were the people who were willing to speak forth their manifesto. There are famous manifestos. The Declaration of Independence is a beautiful manifesto that has altered the world. I Have a Dream by Martin Luther King was an articulation of an idea of civil rights and equality for people that needed to be spoken. And that he spoke it so well and so clearly that everything about his life communicated this. You knew what that man was about. When JFK gave his famous speech about landing a man on the moon before the end of the decade in the 60s, you knew what the United States was about. You knew what it was setting to accomplish by, by the end of 1969. And he declared to the world what the United States was going to accomplish. Karl Marx released his Communist Manifesto. And he let the world know what he was all about and the kind of world that he wanted to shape. See, here's the point. People are using manifestos, and some of us are living under the, the government to somebody else's manifesto, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a government, whether it's a culture at work, whatever the ideology is. They're being used by good people. They're being used by not-so-good people. They're not always written. Sometimes they're, they're movies. I can remember the movie, and I'm appealing to an older crowd at this point, but the movie Easy Rider with, uh, was it Peter Fonda and Dennis Hoop, uh, Hooper? Hopper? Hopper? Yeah. But if you see this movie, if you were my father, I remember my father, World War II veteran, and that movie came out, he was just appalled by the anti-government, anti-society, carefree sex, carefree drug usage, whatever, this, this 1960s movement, that movie became a manifesto for my brothers and for my, for my generation, that that's how we were going to live life. John Lennon communicated in his song, Imagine, communicated a manifesto about what he thinks that the world should look like. And here's one, a manifesto that you may not be aware of. 
It interests me because I really like the guy. But um, when, 19, uh, when 60 Minutes producers uh, began a tour of Michael Jackson's warehouse after his death, they began to discover some different things um, that he had in there and a lot of different collections that he had. But the most fascinating item that they found was a handwritten note by Michael. It appears that at the age of 21, he wrote a manifesto. He scribbled to himself on the back of one of his tour itineraries in 1979 that described his mission statement for what he wanted to become, the future he wanted to create. The document was folded and worn, and it appears that it was handwritten by him in ballpoint pen during a moment of inspiration right after a concert. And he wrote this manifesto down. Let me read to you his manifesto. MJ will be my new name. No more Michael Jackson. I want a whole new character, a whole new look. I should be a totally different person. People should never think of me as the kid who's saying ABC or I want you back. I should be a new, incredible actor, singer, dancer that will shock the world. I will do no interviews. I will be magic. I will be a perfectionist, a researcher, a trainer, a master. I will be better than every great actor roped into one. And if you were like me, because he was the same age as I was, all of a sudden there was this transition in Michael. All of a sudden things changed for him. How he communicated, how he looked, how he dressed, how he interacted with the public, his creative genius. All of a sudden it changed, but it didn't just happen by chance. He had a manifesto that he declared that this was the reality that he wanted to create and he wanted to experience. Now you may think this is a little extreme, but I want you to know that God has a manifesto, and it is clearly presented to us. The world didn't just build itself. It didn't just become what it is. Creation is a manifesto. Like I said, it can be something that's written down. It can be a ship that's blown up. It can be a song that is written. It, is, it can be a movie. But for God, creation is a manifesto. I mean, look at it. It is a combination of intention, vision, and implementation. And I'm willing to bet that for our lives, that somewhere in the middle of intention, vision, and implementation, that's where our futures never happen. The future that could be for us does not happen because one of those things breaks down. We don't have any intention or any, any will we don't have a vision of what the future is that we're trying to create for ourselves or for the people around us that we can influence. Or maybe there's a lack of implementation, that we're good Bible belters and we have a great set of beliefs. We've got a great Bible that we believe in and we have a creed and we have an altar call and we have all those things, but yet we fail to implement in a world where everybody else is implementing, where those who are controlling the world are writing their own manifestos and determining how the rest of us are going to live our lives. 
The creation is a manifesto. God knew what he wanted to create the world to be. He knew exactly what he wanted it to be. God communicated his vision. He implemented his design. And his end game was creating an environment of relationship and empowerment. That's what God wanted to create, a place where relationship occurred and empowerment happened. You see, let there be is the first spoken manifesto. It is a communication of intention, vision, and implementation. Let there be spoken by God. You're familiar with Genesis 1. Let me, let me just read to you. And I want you to read, hear it, not just as a theological treatise, but I want you to hear it as a manifesto, as the exertion of intention and vision and implementation, kind of a, a public declaration of this is the future I want, this is the world I'm creating, and I am implementing it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was uh, over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. See, God took a look at it, and he begins to give vision to what lacks purpose. The scripture says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth. See, that's really what the future looks like for all of us. It's dark, it's void, it's, it lacks Immediate clarity, but yet it is a real thing. It is something that we will all experience in a today moment. And so God looks at the potential of everything that is there, and then he begins this power of creating and, and implementing his vision and his plan. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the first day. See, God in his manifesto makes distinctions about what he's going to allow to be in this world. He causes separations to occur. But we live in a society where we no longer value labels or any kind of distinction. We want to remove all distinction. And when the moment we do, we begin to lose the power of manifesto, the ability to create the world that God has called us to create. But in the very beginning of his manifesto, God's got to say, okay, we got to begin to separate some things. We got to begin to define things. We got to begin to call good, good, and bad, bad. We got to begin to define and have distinction in our lives. And a lot of us want God's best for our lives, but we lack distinction. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning and the second day. I love the fact that the word day is used here. And I know it's heavily debated and, and I don't care if the universe is a billion years old or it's 10,000 years old. But what it's communicating to me is that a manifesto is something that is exerted on every single day of your life. It's not a Sunday thing. The intention, the vision, and the implementation of your God-given manifesto, what God wants to do in your life, is not something that just ends on Sunday. 
but it is something that every single day God is implementing manifesto. He's putting it into play. You know what's interesting about the word manifesto? In almost every language except for the English language, the word manifesto is a verb. It's a verb, not a noun. Um, see, we're real big about ideas. We're all, we're real big on creativity. But implementation, when it all becomes, when it becomes part of our will, our implementation, our lives, that's when manifesto becomes something God every single day used it. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and the dry land appeared, and it was so. And God called dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Manifestos give definition to things. Just think about what your dad called you. Think about what your ex-wife called you. Now, I'm not saying they were wrong, but you have the power to determine what you are calling yourself and to understand what God is calling you. That's part of manifesto. Too many of us have allowed society to just define us because, well, maybe because we're a woman or maybe because uh, of our ethnicity that we have been called something and then we have taken our place there. But God says in his manifesto, no, no, nay, nay. I define what things are. What is day, what is night, what is good, what is bad, what is land, what is sea. And in a manifesto, we get definition, we get clarity about our value, about who we are as individuals. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation and plants yielding seed and fruit and bearing fruit in which is the seed and each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And in God's manifesto, God commits himself to the process of life. Of life. It's about creating life. It's not about creating millions. It's not about getting, becoming the greatest. It's not about uh, uh, being the best. It's not about designing a great corporation. It goes deeper than that. It's about creating spaces and environment where life happens. Can you see how a family needs somebody to communicate a manifesto where young ones can grow up and they can bring forth life and that they can begin to reproduce life and that they can have that distinction and that definition in their lives? But that's not what's happening in society. We have young ones coming into society and they don't know who they are. They've lost even gender distinction. They've lost family origin, they've lost all these things. And, and yes, maybe it's a celebration of personalism, yet we have, we have yet to see as a species on this planet, a society thrive on that mentality. Because remember, as America loses its manifesto, guess who hasn't lost their manifesto? Mr. Putin's got one. And every other person that wants to run this planet has a manifesto. But in America, we are losing definition. We are losing clarity. We're losing understanding. We're losing our manifesto. 
But God committed himself. He didn't just do all this earth-creating, universe-creating, time-splitting, water-splitting land and all this stuff just to exert brutish masculine force. This is not an expression of chauvinism or bullying. God did whatever was necessary so that life could happen. And not his life. He already had it but so that your life could happen, so that my life could happen, so that the earth's life could happen. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and he saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was a fourth day. And God does what he does till it's good. Till it's good. I mean, can you imagine if you did everything that you did and you didn't stop what you did until the quality of what you did as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as an individual in your workplace, that you did not leave the work site, whether it's the home or, or the conversation or a workplace, until the end of the day brought about, it is good that the will, intention, and the vision, and the implementation of what I have done today as a pop, as a, as a husband, as a boss, as a neighbor, it is good. Only manifestos will yield that. They provide a, a, a metric by which you can tell whether or not you're, you're on target with the, the world that you want to create. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living things and let the birds fly over the earth across the expanses of the heavens. And God said it was good. And God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. God blesses it. God empowers it through his manifesto. See, this is where I, and I, I keep going back to dads because it's the only thing I can be. It's like... Am I empowering my children? Am I blessing my children? Am I blessing my wife? As a, as a pastor, as a leader, as a boss, whatever capacity that I'm in, is my manifesto bringing out the ability to empower other people to have their own manifesto? And then here's the key to the whole thing. And then God said, after all this, let there be, let there be, then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. We just heard God create the future with the power of manifesto. I mean, that's all we've heard. For all those verses, all we hear is God with this brute force. We hear God speak and bring about future. And after we've heard all that being exerted about separating, defining, clarifying, blessing, empowering, all this force of will, vision, intent, the very next thing he says, let us create man in our image. Well, what is the only image we have of God by the time we, we arrive at this verse? Is that God is about to create people that have the power of manifesto that have the power of let it be in their lives. God creates mankind to carry on the power 
of his manifesto. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now remember, dominion within the manifesto of God, which is to bless all things and empower all things, not destroy all things. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Bada-bing. Male and female. I love it. Because it means... You know, a father of three daughters, I want my daughters to have manifestos. I want the women of this church to have manifestos. This is not a dude's club. This is not a guy's only. And ladies, you do the paperwork. and Let the men come up with the manifestos. But the Bible tells us that God created us as manifesto bearers, and he created us male and female. That means that we're going to get ourselves a mix of some really good manifestos. We're going to get ourselves some really good ideas about what the world is supposed to look like. And God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have the birds have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and then there was the sixth day. Guess what God does on the seventh day? He rests. Now, why would he rest? It's because he just created manifesto bearers. He just showed what manifestos look like. He showed what the character, the vision, the intent, and the implementation of a manifesto looks like. And God puts it all in place and he creates not a world just to spin, but a world to implement and to declare and to have intention and to exert manifesto. And he says, guys and gals, you've got it. Create in the very image of the things that I have created God created us with the power to live the let there be manifesto. And even though the environment was compromised and the end game, I mean, that, that God created, it was compromised, the end game remained the same. See, and that's the power of a manifesto, is what if it all goes bad? Didn't God's manifesto go bad? No. Not everybody wanted God's manifesto. Not everybody's going to want your manifesto. But in the middle of the manif- this implementation environment going bad, the manifesto remained. And God gave his Ten Commandments to what? Restrict life? No. To protect the manifesto. He gave us promises in Scripture. Why? To empower the manifesto. He gave forgiveness through Christ to restore the manifesto, that if you got it wrong, you can begin to get it right. The manifesto of relationship and empowerment, God has always communicated it through history, whether it was through Israel or whether it was through Christ or whether it's through us today. Now, I know that some of you may be here today and you're just like pushing this back and you're pushing it back because of one thought one idea that, I'm sorry, preacher, but you forgot God's will. If the Lord wills it, according to James, he says that uh, these things will happen. And, um, and I totally agree if the Lord wills it. 
But I will push back and remind you that it is God's will. And the restoration or making all things new is his manifesto. We forgot what God's will is. We're waiting for an angel to show up and tell us, hey, Paul, I want to let you know what, my, uh, what God's manifesto is for your life. He wrote it down. It's in the scriptures. I know what the manifesto of God is today. Today is to still understand what is, what is good, what is bad, to understand what it means to give value to things, to be life-bearing, life-giving, to be empowering, to have definition and clarity of life. That is still the will of God today. For some reason, all my hand, Italian movement of my hands, did something to my phone and it just recorded what I just said. And it just played it back to me. Now guys, I'm not telling you anything new. I'm just playing back to you what God told us in the very beginning of his manifesto. Let there be and that you have the power. You know, I'm looking over this current year and, and I'm looking at um, things that this church can do. You know, we've we're, we're, you know, got the whole building thing, but it's like, no, nah, I'm not gonna be distracted by that. I, and right now I've asked God to give me a vision for another community other than West Ashley. And you can join me in the seven days of prayer for that. And, and I'm, I'm really like, you know, like God, I, I, wanna, I wanna be brutish with the goodness of God. I want to exert will, your will, on the earth around me. And I was starting to think, well, maybe it's time for us to launch another church. And well, where would we put it? Well, we could put it in Carolina Bay so that you could walk to, to church. We could put it in Chatham Moss so that you could ride your bike there. And then I thought, no. What about someplace like Edisto? What about the poorer communities that are all within five miles of, of this location right here. If we're gonna exert will, if we're gonna exert the manifesto of God, it should be empowering something, somebody that doesn't have empowerment, not making it easier for those who have already been convenienced. I used to live in Carolina Bay, so that wasn't a slam against Carolina Bay. But I think God wants us to think, all of us to be thinking this way, is to remember what the manifesto of God is for our lives. Jesus revived manifesto. He said and he told us that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. He said and he told us that he came to destroy the works of the evil one. And then he told us, I have come that you may have life and that you may have life abundant. It's the creation story revived. It is creating relationship and empowering relationship. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to be empowered to live the God-inspired manifesto. So let me ask yourself, what do you believe? What do you believe? Now, I'm not talking about Facebook posts. I'm not talking about that kind of belief or that kind of statement. I'm talking about what do you, do you know what you believe? And what do you intend to do with it when you get it? 
What do you do with those values or that high lofty idea? What do you do with the concept of, let's say, kindness? We all believe in kindness. Why do we have to have a series on kindness? Because we got to work it into our manifesto. Because we can all talk about kindness all day long and the guy down the street goes without food or without education. See, I don't think we, we lack lofty ideas. I don't think we lack good beliefs. But we've got to ask ourselves, what are we going to do with it? What type of world do you dream about or do you wish to create? Let me ask you this. Have you manifested what you believe and what you want to create enough that your kids are following you? I mean, and you may say to yourself, well, my kids aren't doing following after God or whatever. And this, there's a multitude of reasons that could be taking place. But it is it possible that one of the reasons was is that you had beliefs you have an idea, you have kind intentions, but a manifesto was never declared. Like Joshua who said, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We're gonna live our lives according to his manifesto. So over the next few weeks, as we move into this moment of expressions, we're gonna be talking about a man in scripture who had to define a manifesto. He had to find out what his was. And I think that's where we're going to start. I mean, because right now you may not, you really might not have clarity about what God's manifesto for your life is, what he wants you to live out. So we're going to find out how he discovered the manifesto, how he defined it, how he communicated it, and then how in times of oppositions, an opposition to his life, that he was able to continue and see the manifesto become a reality. But all of this goes nowhere, nowhere, if we don't burn the ships. Shame, unforgiveness, failure, distractions, whatever your ship may be, this all goes nowhere if they're allowed to remain in our lives. Remember I said, remaining the same is easy when the option remains on the table. Was MJ more talented than most? He could have been, probably was. But the option to be less than his best was not on the table. He took it off the table. I don't agree with the works of Karl Marx, but he knew what he believed in and he exerted it upon this world. And other people's manifestos will continue to exert themselves against us unless we choose to live our own manifesto and have that manifesto defined by God. Maybe it's our time. Remaining the same is easy when the option remains on the table. Father, as we enter into this moment with you, God, you have a manifesto for our lives and you said it through Jesus, I have come that you may have life and that you may have life abundantly. So Father, today we, we come to you with our ships. And we ask that you just reveal to our hearts which of our ships are getting in the way. That I, I know it doesn't make sense to burn something, 
that I think is of value to me, but God, is, is there something getting in my way? And today, Lord God, speak to my heart. And for those of us who have been ridden with shame and guilt, today is the day to let it burn because all things are forgiven through Christ. And as you hold that bread, you dip it into that cup and you take it in communion, you are, you are setting fire to the ships. You are sinking those ships. And you're committing yourself to move forward with the manifesto of God. There isn't a person in the room that God's manifesto cannot become a reality for. You're not too poor. You're not, uned, not educated enough. You're not the wrong color. You're not the wrong gender. You have not failed so much that it cannot happen to you. Even if you doubt all of it, God still says, come unto me all you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I'll help you with this. I'm not coming to put more on you. I'm coming to help you define what it is, what, what you want and what I want for your life. And it is good. It is very good. So Father, we enter into this moment. Speak to our hearts.